we went viral on May 26th, I still remember the day, and we got a million views on one video, and we sold about 600 pairs of sunglasses in the span of two weeks and sold out my entire store. Um, and then the following week and a half, I sold out of the rest, and I made enough money to be able to reinvest into the company and build out a whole team. Welcome back to Bite Sized. I'm super excited. I've got a really good friend of mine, an amazing entrepreneur and brand founder, Parker, on, on Bite Size today. Parker is the founder and CEO of Cura. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, Cura Eyewear. Super cool sunglasses and eyewear brands. I'm a massive sunglasses fan. Um, so I love everything about Cura and what Parker is building. Parker, welcome to Bite Size. Super stoked to have you here. Um, give a quick introduction to you, the brand, uh, what it's all about. Yeah. So thanks for having me first off, but, um, yeah, I started the brand. It was a COVID brand. Um, and actually before that, when I was in high school, I came up with the name Kiora and it was, uh, something that I was passionate about. I wanted to bring in like a, uh, unique name that ties into culture. So it's Japanese for key, which is chi in Japanese. So it's key and aura. And it's kind of the mix between the inner and outer energy. Um, I was selling t-shirts out of the back of my car when I was in high school and then got into college and lost passion for kind of like the brand and, and everything. But I was on Shopify back in high school, which was about 2017. Um, and then kind of restarted the whole brand and, and moved away from apparel into sunglasses uh, during COVID. And ever since, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been just me learning the process because I was so new to the whole thing. Um, really didn't come from any resources um, while starting the brand. It was something that I went to the YouTube university and learned everything along the way and have uh, finally hit like that catalyst where things started actually happening in the last, I would say, year. So it's been exciting. That's amazing. There's two things that stick out from that. COVID brands, I feel like is a category of brands at this point, brands started during COVID and the University of YouTube. Um, it's, it's actually funny, you know, just the amount of information that's out there. Like I, that's a whole nother like area of conversation, but just like the amount of things you can learn from the content. I think it's sometimes like there's almost too much. You've got to pick a, a source of truth of like people you trust. Um, but that, but that's really cool to kind of, you know, see that from where, you know, from starting the brand from scratch and not really having, you know, um, to your point, it's not like this is your second time doing it, like learning on the job yeah. kind of thing is, yep. is super or cool. Or I never worked for a company, you know, that like taught me the base baseline, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of the inspiration behind uh, Cura. What's the end goal? Like, do you have an end goal in mind? What are you trying to build? What 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 are you looking to ultimately achieve with the brand? Yeah, if I'm going to go big picture and look at the brand in like 50 years, you know, I think right now at our price point, we're a little bit lower than the, you know, top tier luxury brands. Um, but we did find our gap in the market at the price point that we have right now. But I would love to be, you know, a retail location at every mall in America, um, have an apparel side of the business have, you know, hundreds of SKUs of sunglasses and really create like a fashion um, powerhouse within the industry um, and have, you know, different tiers of product where we can sell sunglasses for 140 that we have right now and then have signature lines for, you know, a couple thousand bucks that is just made out of really crazy, insane materials that you can get creative with. But 
yeah, it's always been, you know, started in that, um, based off of just being as creative as possible and creating products that people enjoy, which has been super fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you mentioned an interesting point there on my, on one of my last, uh, podcasts, I was talking to Will Nitzer, who's the founder of IQ Bar. So totally different vertical CPG. Um, and I asked him the question of like, you know, DTC became a business model at one point where it's like, it, it it's like, that's the business model. And, and whereas, you know, especially in CPG, the way he thinks about it and a lot of CPG brands think about it is like, well, it's a channel amongst retail Amazon. You just kind of mentioned, mentioned having retail presence. So for you, correct me if I'm wrong, but the brand has started very DTC, you know, that's its origins, but you see that expanding in the future. Uh, right now we're a hundred percent DTC. So we don't have one location. Every pair of sunglasses is in our warehouse in Utah. Um, so right now we're riding this wave as much as we possibly can. And I don't see it going away at any point, but right now, I mean, I grew up in the time where like 27 or 15 was where Instagram kind of really started getting its stride. Um, and I was jumping on board and I, and I had the brand starting at that time. Um, but that's really when like DTC brands even were coming up. It's like, you saw those brands like Hawker and blenders and other like DTC brands that have now, you know, grown into what they are. Um, but that's kind of been the only way of business I knew, you know, when I first started the brand, I just went to YouTube or looked it up on Instagram. How are people selling products? How are they making money? And it was DTC. And so over the last like five to eight years, I've, you know, been dipping my hands in it and thinking about, you know, how I can get in. Um, and then it's, it's kind of been the only business model that I thought was possible, especially with these brands and it supplies the type of lifestyle that I, you know, have dreamed of, like having a business that's fully remote that I can work from my computer, um, and kind of just fit all the, all the slots that I wanted in a business. So DTC is the way to go. And yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I think that's a lot, that's how a lot of brands start. It, it's just that shift. And I think it's the right shift of it's not the only avenue for growth, right? And in some cases you're limiting yourselves if you only think of that as your entire business model. And that's definitely changed over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I know you and the brand relatively well. You're, you're somewhat the face of the brand, right? Um, was that a conscious decision? Was that a lack of resources? Has it paid off? And, and <laughs> Has it, has it paid off and, and where do you see that evolving? Um, yeah. In, in the future. So it, it was 100% a lack of resources. And the other thing about a DTC brand was that I saw that there was a lower barrier to entry. Um, you don't have to, you know, pay or set up, get loans for a hundred thousand bucks and set up a re re uh, retail location without testing products. So DTC for me was like a way to be able to test products and also find my market at a low barrier to entry. And so I really, you know, was starting out with, um, just throwing my, my own money out of it, out it or at it. And I ended up getting in like 60,000 bucks of debt. And I ended up taking out a loan for another hundred thousand. And I told myself, okay, I'm going to make a big inventory order and we're going to just see if this thing works. And I told myself, I'm going to go as hard as I possibly can to make this happen. Um, and if I don't, I'm just another college kid who, whose parents couldn't afford to pay for their college and I'm a hundred thousand bucks in debt. 
it is what it is, but I'm going to work my absolute ass off to see if I can figure this out. And so this was about a year and a half ago where I didn't have all the resources in the world. I'm in debt and I needed to figure out a way to sell, you know, 800 pairs of sunglasses that I just bought. So I'm sitting at home freaking out about, okay, I just ordered $25,000 worth of sunglasses and I don't know how to sell them. I don't know where I'm going to go. I knew there were avenues of Facebook, TikTok, paid advertising, but I didn't have the funding for it, nor did I have the skill to be able to do it on my own. Um, I tried doing it on my own, went to YouTube and learned everything I possibly could, bought a few courses and just still couldn't get that ROAS to be profitable. Um, so finally, my last resort was TikTok. And I told myself, okay, people are making a ton of money on organic TikTok videos. I need to figure out this game or else I have a, you know, pretty grim future of paying off this loan or this debt. <laughs> so I actually reached out to a couple of creatives that I were creators that I really liked that were just absolutely crushing it. And I just said, Hey man, I have a sunglass brand. Um, can I, you know, hop on the phone with you and, and just transfer your knowledge to me. I want to learn what you're doing. So I actually called up this kid um, from Surf Trip Supplies. His name is Larry. Give him a little shout out. But he is crushing it on TikTok. And so I I jumped on a call with him and I'm like, hey man, like what do I need to do to succeed on TikTok? Like how are you going viral consistently and like selling products like crazy? And so he kind of gave me this viral formula and I've been like iterating off of it. And um, you know, he's like just post 10 times a day. One of those videos will get a little bit of traction. And every single week, you'll at least get one viral video that gets over 50,000 views. And he's like, just make sure that you target your niche. And he's like, find the niche that you want to um, target. And so I live by this as well. And, and it's, you know, find that target person that you want to reach out to and cater to them. And so I, you know, thought about, I was testing angles. And that's the thing is like, I think a lot of people when they're first starting out test products instead of testing angles. And so what I did was I started testing a bunch of different angles of how I can sell this same product to, uh, to somebody. And so if you're in a really saturated market, you can find, uh, holes in that market that with a sales angle that people just haven't used yet. So for me, it was like luxury vintage, um, eyewear that's super durable. And so I found these pain points that people had, um, based off their sunglasses and I went to you know, websites like Ray-Ban um, and a bunch of other big brands. And I went to their review sections and I found, okay, what's everyone on the one-star reviews? What are they saying? And so first off, I saw customer service. All these companies were just dropping the ball on customer service and people hated how they're being treated by the company. Um, and also my sunglasses broke. My sunglasses are, got lost and all these different like points that I can now target to that target person while creating like the aesthetic of the brand. Um, so it's kind of like you take the logic and the emotional and you bring it together um, to be able to create magic and create sales is what I think is, um, is what happened. But from TikTok, um, I started going consistently viral and it really set the catalyst for the brand. And so in June, we... Um, ended up selling out. We went viral on May 26th. I still remember the day. 
and we got a million views on one video and we sold about 600 pairs of sunglasses in the span of two weeks and sold out my entire store. Um, and then the following week and a half, I sold out of the rest and I made enough money to be able to reinvest into the company and build out a whole team. And so that's when things really took off. That's fucking huge. Like that's, that's, that's like the TikTok dream, right? Of like organic. And it's, it's really interesting. And I love that you broke it down in terms of your approach because, you know, and, and we talk to a lot of brands and the, you know, one of the many things they ask us is like, well, TikTok doesn't work for us. Or how do we go viral? Or we go viral, but we see no sales. And I think like, you know, obviously it, it, it's not a guaranteed science. You can go viral, but it doesn't produce sales. What I, what I like about what you were saying is, you know, you really focused on understanding pain points of other people and testing creative hooks to niche down on like the consumer. Um, and I think that's a really smart way about of going about creative testing, right? You looked at data points of what are people saying about your competitors? Um, where is a, a, a gap in the market for where people are talking about my product in a way that I can find some white space that other people aren't saying the same thing versus, you know, just trying to be a different version of something that's already existing. Um, so I think that's really smart and like a really good lesson for other people to potentially take into how they think about creative testing is like use data points of competitors and where their pain points are and try to solve for that. And I like also what you said about instead of like product testing, it's like angle testing around the products you have the most conviction in. Exactly. And, you, and if, I think when a lot of brands have too many SKUs, it creates like buyer's paralysis. So they don't know exactly which pair or, you know, which shirt to buy. But once you have tested enough and you find your angle and you find that like winning hero product, double down on that one hero product and just hammer it. And, and, you know, most of the time, I think even most brands, like you look at Ray-Ban, they probably had the Wayfarer that created more than 80% of all their sales. I mean, don't quote me on that, but <laughs> Most, most of the time brands will have that hero product. Like we have the Lautner and whiskey and that thing, you know, has gone more viral than any other pair we've, we've showcased. And we like on majority sell that pair more than anything else. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about data. That's a, the big thing I learned too, is when I started focusing on the data rather than like what I think would work or what I think other people want. It never worked. It's always reading like numbers and looking at what it, it, it I mean, just it's pretty broad, but data gives you every answer you need. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's another really key point. And again, something that I've, I've faced throughout my career is like, you know, there's, there's having conviction in an idea and a hypothesis. But if you're not willing to adjust your hypothesis based on data, like you're, you're on a, a slippery slope to shit, right? Like you, you, you have to lay out your, your hypothesis and be willing to accept that well, as much as you had conviction in it, the market and the consumers is telling you something different and, and you have to be able to like adjust to that, th those data points, as you said. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And at the beginning, you know, like, because I do come from just like the absolute bit, like no zero company to 
finding those those um, data points is like at the beginning you do have to go based off of conviction and you have to sell like what you're you're selling to the community but most of the time you're just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping something sticks and once something does stick then you can push more money toward it and you can push more effort into that one thing and then start making decisions based off of the data that you're running or you're pushing toward that yeah definitely so taking our story then so may 26th i think it was you go viral you sell out the 600 pairs of sunglasses at at what point did you then start to you know build a foundation around paid media and like a more robust kind of marketing stack right because it sounds like up until that point it was more i'm going to test organic content and see what flies that's that all of a sudden goes goes viral and you have these this huge inswell of of products was that the was that the tipping off point? Then said, okay, I'm going to put some money into TikTok, some money into Facebook, and I'm going to start paying attention to like retention rates and email and everything else. Yeah, that was exactly what happened. Is like when that when I went viral and I had enough money in the bank to hire a team, I went straight to hiring an agency, and I found you know other people's skill that I could leverage that are better than me and created that ROI that it makes sense. So it's like let's say I hire an agency for five thousand bucks a month. And we're spending that amount of money too. Um, obviously, we have to hit a ROAS to be able to pay off the agency fee. But it's like once you can pay off the agency fee, everything after that, you're growing revenue. You're actually running a business, and that was like the biggest thing for me was understanding that I can be good at everything, but I'll never be great. And if I hire the experts in every single role within the company, we can have experts running everything for me. So when it came to my first hire, my first hire was an agency running Facebook and TikTok. And what I did was I took a lot of like the organic videos that had performed and converted organically and just pushed ads behind them. And that's kind of been our formula ever since. Um, And we've paid for some really professional creatives too. And for some reason, going back to like, why are you the face of the brand? It's because I read the data and the data showed me that all my videos outperformed the really professional videos. So why am I, you know, why am I going to scrap these and pay more money for professional videos? Agreed. And I think that talks a lot to, um, again, a consistent theme that we see is the, the content has to feel native to the platform, right? Like, and, and especially on TikTok is that face to camera, really UGC feeling type content. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it kind of makes sense to me. Um, and I think that's been, you know, we spoke about DTC as a business model. The other thing that's been, what has become flavor of the month recently is UGC content. Um, probably for that very reason, I think TikTok kind of accelerated that notion of, I don't need to pay 10, 15,000 for a real stylized, you know, kind of commercial. What I need to do is have lots of creative testing again to your earlier point of like proving out some hypothesis around what people care about in a in a format that feels super native to the platform of distribution yeah 100 percent. and i think what tiktok did is it made everything super authentic and raw um so that's what people are expecting now when they see anything overproduced they just scroll right past it so the other thing too i've noticed that is my top performing ad is when i'm talking to the camera like i'm on facetime with someone and you know i'm selling them i'm not talking like out of my shoes or making some theatrical thing it's just like 
hey guys, just wanted to pop on and show you a few styles. Like these are the iClear, these are the Lautner, these are the XLs. So if you're looking at like the different styles, I would go for these ones. And if it works for you or if it doesn't work for you, no problem. We'll do free returns and exchanges. So just check them out if you want to check them out. <laughs> like super casual, really easy. And uh, that's been performing the best is just making it as like personal and as a connection as I can. Um, and as long as it's going to continue to work, I think I'm going to be the face of the brand. But I know at some point as we scale, I'm going to have to step away. And especially if we ever get acquired. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's amazing. Uh, marketing in general, so kind of taking a, uh, a broader approach, there's so much you can do, right? You know, it sounds like TikTok's been such a, a great channel for you, but there's so many channels, things available to us um, as marketers, as brands. Um, what's been your approach to like building up those layers and what's been, outside of TikTok, what's been the most beneficial investment when it comes to marketing initiatives that have helped the brand? I, yeah, there are a ton of different avenues that you can go down. And my advice to that would just be pick one and dominate. So find, you know, whichever you think is going to perform the best. Another hypothesis is that you have to test and read the data, but look at other brands similar to yours and see where they're spending most of their money. If they're on Facebook and you look at the ad library and they have a ton of different ads that have been running for months. I would, you know, check out Facebook. Usually Facebook has higher um, converting traffic and just more data for the algorithm to play off of. Um, but test Facebook, I would say as first for us, um, it was it was Facebook and TikTok and also just bringing in the right people to run those channels for you. Um, and having the experts that have proven results for other people, that way, you know, you can introduce the same level of um, targeting and creative testing um, that all the bigger brands are using. And then when it comes to like stacking and bringing on, let's say Google, because our formula, I'll just, you know, give the funnel is like, you got organic, Facebook, TikTok, and then underneath that, you're cleaning up with Google. And then underneath that is like SMS and email um, as like the cleanup hitter. But it's like, okay, when I introduced Google, what I did was I shopped around for a Google expert who can show me some clear results that they've like produced for other brands. Um, and also sometimes what I've done is I, you know, if they're hungry and really want to help you grow and you're in a position where you can't, you know, typically afford them, um, which is some of the points where I've, I've been at where I've had to kind of like, come on, man, we're going to be a big brand and like, I hate to do that. And, you know, most people don't want to work for people like that, but like it ended up working out luckily, but you know, one of my good buddies, Chris now who runs our Google, um, you know, it went absolutely crazy and Google just popped off because he knew what he was doing. And we also had the foundation from Facebook, TikTok, and organic to where the branded campaigns, you know, the ROAS is like at 80, 80 ROAS because you know, that name is unique, but it's pretty much bringing the right people on. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, we talked about it a little bit actually before the call, um, like customer loyalty, you know, LTV customer attention in this world where acquisition costs are rising. There's, there's a lot of doom and gloom, but I mean, I think there's, there's still a ton of opportunity when you get these dynamics of creative and, and effectively set up 
paid media campaign but like you know the way we kind of frame it or think about it is like there's there's a scalability of acquisition but your sustainable business model and forecastable business is is a lot more kind of uh structured when it comes to customer loyalty how have you approached that what's worked really well i'm guessing you know from for a, a multi-skew brand like yours a lot of it is well you bought this check this out check this out but then you know um there's challenges around that because how many pairs of sunglasses can one person have? I mean, I like sunglasses, so I have quite a few. I'm sure you have hundreds because you own the brand. What's been your approach to customer retention? What's worked really well? Um, and how are you looking at developing that moving forward? Um, the most, the, the overarching answer I would say is product. Have the like over deliver with your product. Um, we make some pretty bold claims when we're marketing and that's, you know, us having to be scrappy at such a, you know, young age of a, a company. And so when we make these bold claims and these sunglasses show up on your front doorstep, if you open them and they don't absolutely just blow you away, then you're going to be kind of bummed. But if you have a product where you invest the extra couple bucks in that product, it may increase your costs, but it's always worth it on the back end when you over deliver on your product, you know? So I think if you can be so product focused that all you're trying to do is provide like the absolute best product or service for your customer, they're not going to want to go anywhere else because the value that they're getting from that product, like what they're used, used to paying for $140 pair of sunglasses is being out, like we're out beating every other brand because we focus on paying the extra couple bucks that other brands may not be willing to do. But I would also go into like, you know, retention, lifetime value. When you're trying to increase the lifetime value of a customer, um, it's about staying in front of them and building that relationship and and how you create the follow-up. Um, and how do you get a customer to marry your brand? And I think the, the sales cycle is like at the beginning, you have to change their belief systems of why they shouldn't be using, let's say they're a long-time Ray-Ban wearer. How can we convert this long-time Ray-Ban wear into Kiora? So that's what sales and is, is like covering all their objections why they wouldn't want to switch from, from Ray-Ban um, to Kiora. And then once we have them on Kiora, how do we keep them here for the rest of their life? Um, coming out with new styles, changing colors of the same style that they absolutely love. Um, for example, the Lautner and Whiskey, we just came out with a new gold crystal and I haven't even pushed marketing for it yet, but I've already had people in the background messaging me like, can you make a gold crystal? Can you make an emerald? Can you make different colors of the same product they already own? So just iterating off of what's already working and again, reading the data. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you just came back to it again, right? Like it's eliciting and paying attention to your customers. And you touched upon, like it's, it's quite interesting, but really uh, powerful that everyone I'm talking to and everyone I talk to, you know, um, the first thing that brands are doing well when it comes to customer loyalty and retention, the first thing they say is have a really good product. Like you, you can't, you can't out email market a shit product. You can't, you can't out creative a shit product. You might be, do, you might do well short term, but the sustainability of it. So I, I like that approach and I really like the approach and, and, and that's where we pay a lot of attention as well is listen to your customers, elicit feedback, find out what do they want? What do they like? What do they not like? 
if you if you build in an echo chamber without soliciting feedback and paying attention to it, I think you you know you're you're not going to be able to capitalize on those data points. And it you know it, and we live in a world where through these mechanisms of being able to read ad comments, do post purchase surveys, all that stuff, like you have that one to one immediate communication with people who are engaging with and purchasing your product um to know how to make steps to improve that moving forward yeah and and one other thing as well that i'll i'll point out for lifetime value is just the experience of the brand it's like making sure that your packaging goes above and beyond and also in the back end once they get the product you have you know follow up with them like are you enjoying your product what can we do better next time and then customer service. I think a lot of times people overlook customer service and it's when you can, you know, I, I've had so many times where a customer is like, hey, I'm outside of the warranty, um, but I wanna, you know, exchange for these, this pair. It's like, I treat every customer as if you're reaching out to me or a friend is reaching out to me about the sunglasses. And it's like, at the end of the day, if you're still profitable, don't be greedy, take care of your customers and always put them first. I think that's the number one thing in business is just treat your customers like family, you know? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent agree. And, and again, that point around, um, like ex the experience of receiving your product, right? And especially in, in, a, in a, like in a world where you've got social media and people love to showcase their lives and what they do on it to, to not go the extra mile and have your product delivered in a cool package with a little note from the founder and whatever else, you know, it could be the best product in the world, but if it comes in a brown paper bag with like just a fucking stamp on it, you know, you might love the product, but it's like, it's like that, um, it's that digital word of mouth. If it comes in a cool package without even having to ask, most people will take a picture of it and post it on their Instagram or their TikTok, or they'll show their friends because it's an experience and it's above and beyond. Um, so I, I, I totally agree with you. You're, you're, you're creating instant brand affinity and you're also generating what I call digital word of mouth because they're going to post about it. And at the end of the day, it's about making people feel good when they get that package. People, most of the time, when you order something off of a DDC brand, you're expecting it in the mail and you're excited for it. And like when you open the door and you see the red little Kiora box, it like elicits excitement within you and it pulls out an emotion. And, and the more emotion you can pull through your creative all the way to the packaging, it is gonna create this, you know, um, association with the brand where you can just fall in love with it and get married yes. to it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, oh, it's all about, um, you know, playing the emotion and, and making sure people feel good so yeah totally agree so two and a bit years into the brand um i mean you've mentioned some of this but what were some of the misconceptions you had about about what it would take to build a brand when you first started to to where you are now i'm sure there's a lot with any with any entrepreneur business owner the the things you think are going to be the challenges aren't the challenges and also the challenges are far more than you anticipated. But if you could sum it down to one or two, what were the biggest misconceptions you had when starting the brands compared to Yeah, now? I think the, the first one is because most of the time when you're following people or watching people on YouTube, they're showing their successes and you never really see the failures. So I would say 
the amount of effort and the amount of skill it actually takes to you know pull a brand from nothing into being something and creating revenue and a profit the amount of you know it 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 takes a lot of skill that takes years to build um to the point where you start actually making money off of it because if you're just proficient at a bunch of things you know like copywriting um facebook ads um you know email marketing and things like that you're not going to have the you're not going to be able to create the conviction through your marketing that creates or converts um and so it, it took me you know it took me five years of studying and learning and i was never the best student but it fine like after or this last two years i put my head down i was working 10 to 12 hour days and most of those days when i was considered working is sitting on youtube and, and watching other people who have already succeeded and taking points from them and it's been an accumulation of a bunch of small little nuggets i've gotten from videos that have created you know the the not only the mindset but the amount of the skills the sales tactics the marketing tactics that a lot or that even the product um product development um that allowed me to get to that point where i can then hire a team and know enough about every department where i can manage them um at the beginning i thought it was going to be way easier than it was and it took me way longer than i expected but you know as long as you stick the path you'll make it and yeah, way way easier than it, way easier than you thought it was, and way longer to achieve success. It's definitely it's definitely the case for most people. So, yeah, I agree. I agree with that, dude. Really appreciate you coming on. Huge huge fan of the brand. Um, love everything you're doing. Um, love your approach to things like creative testing and everything else. Uh, I'll link this in the podcast anyway. But if people want to check out you or the brand, um. Where's the best place to do that? Yeah, you can find me on TikTok um, for my personal personal brand, which is just Parker Godfrey. Um, a lot of times I'm giving out like business tips. Um, also have a small little ebook that I help people starting a brand. And um, most of the time, um, you do, or you can also find me on Instagram, which is linked in my TikTok at Master Pooks. <laughs> and then uh, obviously, if you want to check out the brand, it's Kiora Eyewear, K-I-A-A-U-R-A. And then I wear. So no. Okay. We, yeah. I have to I have to ask. Mr. Pooks. Master Pooks. Master <laughs> I Pooks. I was when Instagram first started it in like twenty twelve. I was like, what should my name be? Master Pooks. So then it kind of stuck. And then uh <laughs> yeah, Poo Pooks is my nickname that all my close friends call me. So Oh yeah. shit, okay. I, I mean I can't <laughs> talk. My, my Twitter handle is foodog eighty five. Foodog eighty five, I love it. Because I've got I've got food dogs tattooed on my chest, so it's just, you know. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's what it is. It's, it, I've just never changed it. Also, awesome. really appreciate you, dude. Thank you so much. Of course. Of course. All right. We'll, we'll be in touch. Thanks, fam. All right. Take it easy.